Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Dave, and today we have a wonderful word by Pastor Desiree Esslinger. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. I am so glad that you have joined us from wherever you are, whatever day it is, whenever you are watching this. I'm so glad that you're here today right now to hear this word. I'm glad that you're joining me, and uh, I just pray that the Lord speaks to you today uh, in a special, special way. Um, Just want to let you know before we get started that today we are going to do communion together at the end of this message. So if you need to grab uh, those items, I'm just letting you know know right now, giving you a heads up, giving you a head start uh, so that you can grab uh, those things so we can take communion together at the end of this message. All right. If you are a note taker today, uh, I just want to let you know the title of this message is called Keep Going. Keep Going. Now, I don't know about you, um, but over the last couple of weeks, I've heard a phrase spoken quite a bit. Uh, In fact, I've said it myself, um, but I've heard it a lot over the last couple of weeks, and it's this. I am just done with this. I'm just done with this. I'm so done with this, with with everything going on around us, with all the craziness and the chaos. I'm just done. I'm just done. And I'm going to be honest, as I was preparing uh, to speak, as I was preparing to share this word uh, with you, um, I said the same thing, and I'll tell you why. Uh, As I was preparing, I actually came down with food poisoning which is uh, so not fun. And uh, by the end of the week, I was saying the same thing. Lord, I'm just, I'm just done with this. I'm so done. I'm done. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn with me today? And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that it cuts through everything and anything that we are going through right now, every situation, every concern, everything, Lord Jesus. Your word is truth, and it is life, and it is light. And so, Lord, today, would you illuminate our eyes and our hearts to your word and what, you, what you're saying and what you want to do in us and through us uh, with this. So, would you, would you open our hearts? Would you open our eyes? Would you open our ears today to hear your truth? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in that passage of scripture, you heard a word. The word is endurance. Endurance. 
The Merriam-Webster definition, dictionary definition of endurance is this. I like, I like to know what and understand words. Uh, it has so much more meaning when you get the full context and full definition. So here's what endurance means. The ability to withstand hardship or adversity, especially the ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity, a prolonged stressful effort or activity. Well, let's think. First wave, second wave, third wave, now fourth wave. Prolonged stressful season. You know, it's like the first wave was kind of like this this hard sprint. And then we get into the second wave and, and okay, I guess we're running long distance now. There's a little bit of a longer run. Then we get into the third wave and okay, I guess we're running a marathon. And now here we are, fourth wave. And okay, as one pastor put it, we are, we are in a triathlon and it just keeps going. And right now we cannot see the finish line. We don't know where it is. Prolonged, stressful, effort or activity or season. And yet here we are, and we're called, as Hebrews chapter 12 says, to run with endurance the race that's been marked out for us. And and to run this prolonged race where, where now fatigue and exhaustion and pain and frustration and anger, uh, they've all been, um, they've all very evidently set in. (laughs) And Yet we know that we're here for a reason. We know that everything that God does is planned and on purpose and right on time. And we're here in this season and in this time in history for a reason. You are and I am. And so how are we supposed to run this race that's been marked out for us right now in this time? How are we supposed to do that? And and perhaps it's as Esther 4.14 says, perhaps we've been called for such a time as this. So we're here for a reason. What is it, God? How are we supposed to keep going right now? How do we run with endurance the race that's been marked out for us? I'm gonna keep it really simple today. There's two things that I think Hebrews chapter 12 points out to us that are absolutely essential for being able to complete and run this race, no matter what wave. Okay, two things. First thing, Hebrews 12 verse one says, strip off every weight. Strip off every weight. Now, if you're a parent and you have or have had a toddler, you know that they have a knack, a very special gift and ability to pick up anything and everything off the floor, no matter how dirty and disgusting it is, and they're gonna hold on to it like it's their precious treasure, and oh, very likely they're probably gonna try and put it in their mouth, and it causes you just to cringe, and ooh, especially if it's your first child, um, and it's just gross, and, and inevitably, with a toddler, you always have a parent chasing after them, and, and what are they saying? They're saying, Don't touch that. Don't pick that up. Put that down. Don't put that in your mouth. Don't touch it. Put that down. And what I want to suggest to you today as we're talking about weights is I believe there are in particular three dirty, gross, nasty, stinky, disgusting weights that 
we have potentially been picking up in this season and carrying. And it's like Jesus is saying, no, put that down, drop that. You don't want that. You don't want to hold it. You don't want to touch it. You don't want that in your mouth. You don't want that a part of you. Put that down. Put that weight down. Here are the three things. Fear, anger, and pride. Three weights that I think we are substantially picking up in this season of prolonged stress. So let's start with fear. Let's talk about fear for a minute. Number one, fear is a weight, okay? And it's a form of control. It's actually a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of control. And and when we pick that up, we're actually submitting ourselves and, and control and authority to that spirit. And then it controls our actions and our reactions and and things that we wouldn't maybe normally do or say or think. We're now doing and saying and thinking out of fear because it controls you. But here's the thing. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. Here's the thing. Fear reminds us that we're not in control but it also causes us to conveniently forget who is in control. And no, it's not us, but also it's not fear. (laughs) God is in control. He's in control, but fear likes to help us forget that. Did you know the words fear not are actually spoken, fear not, are spoken 365 times in the Bible? That means there is basically a fear not for every day of the year. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Here's why. Isaiah 4.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, it's, it's God. He's saying, I will be the strength. I will be the help. I will be the one to uphold. No, it's not in your control and that's okay. It's in mine. He is with you and he has given you a spirit of power, of power. Romans 8, 11 says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in you. I think it's time for us as believers, if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to know that we need to stop trading that power that lives in us for a spirit of fear. We got we to stop trading it in. All the power in the world, the power to create, the power for, for breathing life, the power uh, for restoration, the power, the power to heal, it all lives in us because of who is in us. And no, we're not in control, but he is. And he that is in you that is greater than he that is in the world. And so all of that is in us. And yet, when that spirit of fear comes, when fear trickles in, when we pick up that weight, We submit control to that spirit of fear and we trade it in in place of that spirit of power that lives deep inside of us. And I'm preaching this to myself because I forget all the time who is in me and who is in control. And it's okay that it's not me. Now, here's the thing. Where fear is usually, 
anger and pride are close behind. I like to call them a triple threat because again, typically where one is, one of the other ones or both are very close to follow. So next, let's talk about anger. It's something we're seeing a whole lot of right now and and it breaks my heart. There's so much anger and lashing out and frustration. And and here's the the thing, James 119 to 20, it tells us this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Don't pick up anger. Don't be a part of things that stir up anger. (laughs) Social media, the comments section, uh, that's probably not the best place to go if you don't want to get angry. (laughs) If you don't want that to take over. And here's the thing. I'm not saying don't feel things. I'm not saying don't allow your emotions. Things are going to make you upset and they're going to make you angry. You can be angry, but Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Another translation says, do not let anger control you. Look at that. It comes right back to control. Who's in control? What's in control? Don't let it dictate your responses or your relationships right now. Who's in control? Is it Jesus that's in control? So that no matter what you see, he's still in control. And while you feel things, you are capable of not lashing out, not lashing out and not, not reacting, but because he's in control of, of all that you do and because you trust him, you know that he's gonna lead and direct. Or are your, is your anger and is your frustration dictating your actions and your responses and your reactions right now? You might say, but, but okay, you don't understand, okay? This is happening and this is happening and they said this and they said this and, and people are just being ridiculous and they're, they're not smart and they're wrong and, and I'm right. Say hello to pride. Say hello to pride. Habakkuk 2.4 says this, look at the proud, they trust in themselves. Romans 12.16 says, Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Don't think you know it all. Sometimes that's really hard. It's really hard. But I hazard to say there is so much in this whole great picture right now, in this whole great scope of what we're living in and through right now in these days that we do not know. There's so much we don't know. Yes, there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of contradictory and opposing information out there, but there's so much that we don't know. And pride says, I need to have some form of control. I need to be in charge. I need to know. And I'm gonna do the heavy lifting because Jesus can't handle it. 
He can't handle it. So I need to just, I need to step in there. I need to say this. I need to do this. I need to put this person in their place. I need to make sure that they know that they're wrong. I'm sorry, friends, that is pride. That is pride. It's not on us to do convincing. If there is some convincing that needs to be done, then that is the work and the job of the Holy Spirit. And we do not need to get in his way. We don't need to get in his way. You see, all three, anger, fear, and pride, they all have something to do with control. Which, let's be honest, if it's about control and who's in control or me being in control, that ultimately points to a lack of trust. A lack of trust in Jesus. See, right now, even though it's hard to see, we can actually trust that he is moving. Trust that he is actually speaking to people, even if we don't think that they're listening or we don't think that they're right or we don't, whatever it is, we need to trust that he's still moving and he is in control. He has not lost control. Though things seem to be spiraling out of control all around us, he is still in control. I'm going to be honest. I have never seen more anger and pride and arrogance and fear in my life than in this season. And truthfully, particularly in the church and among believers, and it it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Right now, division and the battle in the church and amongst believers, the, the overall church, is a direct reflection of the division that we see outside the church right now, a direct reflection. It's like a mirror image. And that's a problem because we're called to be different. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to stand out. We're called to be representatives of Christ, to sound different, to look different, to act different. And right now, we don't. We look like a mirror image of what's going on out there. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't take on, don't be a reflection of the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What is his will? What is he saying right now to me? What is he saying to me right now? Because that's what is in my control, my ability to listen to what he's saying to me, not to them, not to them, to me. What's he saying to me right now? This is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I can tell you, if we're talking about the pattern or attitude of the world right now, it looks like one of hostility, it's a hostile environment out there. It's like a host, it's a hostile takeover on all fronts. And here's the thing. We're called to live in unity, not hostility. Our, our, our church, our, our body of believers, our, our, we're called to look different. We're called to unity, not, not hostility. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm learning. This is not about unity of opinion or conviction. 
This is unity in and under Christ. That this is a joint trust in Jesus regardless of everything else, regardless of what end of the spectrum you stand on, regardless of how opposed you are to either end, we are called to unity in Christ. But it's hard when we don't see him moving, when we don't see things changing, and all we see is chaos and and anger and frustration and everything is, is boiling to the surface. It's hard when we can't see beyond that, and that's where the weights get picked up in what we are seeing, what we're watching, what we are keeping our eyes on. And that's where the second thing in Hebrews chapter 12 comes in. Remember two things. One, strip off every weight. Anger, fear, pride are three of the big ones right now. Number two, keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion. I love that. Sometimes we read this verse, verse if, we've, if we've been in the church for a while, we know that verse and we say, uh, fix our eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. But we leave out that little bit that I love that's, that's in, in there, embedded in there. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion. What does that mean, the champion? The champion means that, that, that he's run the race already. We have one that's set out for us. He's already run it. He knows the beginning and the end. He knows the full scope of the picture. All we can see is a little bit of the picture here and there and every. But he sees the full scope and he's the champion. He has won. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion, and get your eyes off of the things that will cause you to pick up extra weight. I'm not telling you what to do, but if, if I could suggest anything right now, might be a good time to hit pause on, on Facebook possibly on the news or, or whatever, whatever it is that potentially is stirring up things in your spirit that cause you to pick up fear, that cause you to pick up anger, that cause an arrogant spirit to rise up within you. If that is happening, then it needs to be turned off. It needs to be an intentional turn off because we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And I think in some of these cases, he's saying, no, 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 don't pick that up. Don't pick that up. Drop it. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. I have more for you. I have a a bigger picture in store for you. And it involves working with my church, with the church towards unity. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And here's the thing about Jesus, the champion that we need to remember is that he knows who the real enemy is. He knows and he defeated him. He is stronger, but sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted by all the things going on around you. Don't get distracted. People are not your enemy. The enemy of your souls is the enemy. And church, I I get this feeling that, that, that the enemy is just laughing and dancing and gloating over what he's seeing. What he's seeing 
in the state of the church and of the believers and our heart and our attitude and the way that we're currently potentially running this race. I don't want, I don't want that. I, I don't want to, to see that. I don't want that gloating. I don't want to make him proud of how we're acting and responding. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6, 12. I see so many believers right now weaponizing the word of God against each other, against each other. It's a, it is a weapon, but it's not meant for, for you. It's meant for the enemy. It's meant to be used the right way the right tool for the right way. Because here's the thing. When we're weaponizing this in the wrong way, that just points to a house divided and a house divided cannot stand. Or as, as another a translation puts it, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. That's Mark 3.25. We should be weaponizing the word this word against the true enemy of our souls right now. We should be in this and utilizing this and memorizing this and speaking this and declaring this, not against people, against the enemy. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Get it off of all the other things, all the other distractions, all of the other craziness. Get into this word. Let him speak to you. Let him, let him help you remove some of those weights. Let, let him breathe new life into you. Did you know this word is his very breath? So when you feel like you're running this race and you're feeling winded and you're feeling tired and you're feeling exhausted and like you can't get any more air and you just feel like it's all been knocked out of you, this word is his breath that will breathe new life into you. It will speak new life into you and it will fill you to full so that you can breathe again. And what happens when you're oxygen deprived, when you can't breathe well enough, is you can't think clearly and you can't communicate clearly. But here's the thing, when you get oxygen and that, that oxygen is going to your brain and it's helping you think clearly and it's helping you helping you to process clearly and to see clearly and give your eyes proper vision you need that oxygen you need that breath right now let him breathe into you the breath of life so that you can run with endurance this race that has been marked out for us no matter how prolonged it has been We need to be praying. We need to be in the word. We need to be focusing more on fighting against the true enemy and not each other. I think it's very significant that we're taking communion today. I really wanted to take communion with you today. But before we take communion together, which is in and of itself an act of unity, it's something that's meant to be done together. It's meant to be done. Uh, it's a union. It's communion. It's together. It's around a table. It's a unified thing, unifying thing. 
I want us to pause and have a very truthful moment with the Lord. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lead me on this run. Lead me on this race. But please, God, point out anything that I have picked up. Point out any weight that I have picked up. Point it out to me, God, so I can surrender it back. So we're going to just take a moment. We're just going to take one moment. And, and just as I'm talking right now, would you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart? Would you allow him to search your mind? And if any weight has been picked up in this season, if you have picked up fear, let him take it. Give it back. Take it off. His yoke is easy and his burden is light and he does not want you to be carrying that fear. If you have picked up anger, if you find yourself constantly with a ball of frustration and anger in your gut, if you feel like you're constantly, even in your head, having arguments with people that are opposed to you in opinion and conviction, you've probably picked up some anger somewhere and that needs to be released to Jesus. He needs to take it so that you can run unhindered the race that he's marked out for you. If you have picked up some pride along the way that said, no, I'm right and you're wrong and, and therefore I'm putting a wall up between you and me, I'm going to tell you today and I'm going to read something to you before we prepare for communion. Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 says this, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us, and he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Another translation says it like this, for he is our peace. He made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. We're getting ready to take communion together. That's that's the body and the blood of Jesus. And we would be remiss if we did not recognize that the blood of Jesus came to break dividing walls, not to build them. We are called to break dividing walls, not build them, not build them. So as we partake of communion today, I hope you have your elements ready. I hope I've given you enough time. If not, Feel free to take a minute after the message to take communion. Um, but I'm excited that we get to do this together. And I hope, I hope that we can move forward together, that we can run this race together with a new heart and a new spirit that is renewed with a goal of unity, with a goal of unity, with, with, a, with, a, with our eyes kept on Jesus, firmly fixed on Jesus, without wavering, that we would strip off every weight, that we would, Lord Jesus, that we would recognize when we're picking things up that we should not be picking up.
May we be unified together as the body of Christ so that we can run this race with endurance, so that we can keep going for Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's remember Jesus together, church. Let's remember his sacrifice together. Let's remember why he came together. Thank you, Jesus. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup, is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Would you drink together with me today and may we be unified in heart and mind and spirit under Christ, under Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Before we pray together and before I send you on to the rest of your day, I just want to take a minute and give an opportunity. If you are watching today, if you're watching right now, wherever you are, whenever you are watching this, if you are watching and you have been in a place of fear or you have just experience so much uncertainty right now and you don't know Jesus and and he is not a part of your life right now but you want it and you want him and you want the assurance and the love and the comfort that he brings and you want him to be the leader so that you don't have to be in control anymore if you're ready to relinquish that control that says I don't need to have it all figured out. I don't need to know what's going to happen because there's someone that I can trust who sees the full picture and who knows what's best for me and who is going to lead me and guide me along the right path for me. If that's you today, if you would like that today, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me right now. It's your time. It's your moment. Jesus is calling you and he's saying, I love you and I have so much in store for you. I have such a plan for your life and I don't want you to be weighed down and hindered. I want you to be, be free and I want you to, to be able to run and, and live this life to the fullest, to the full extent that I have for you. So if that's you today and you can just feel Jesus tugging on your heart, knowing that he loves you and he wants to show you just how much, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me right now. And we're going to say this. We're going to say, dear Jesus, I need you now more than anything. So I give you absolutely everything, my wins and my losses, my sins and my successes, they're all yours. Forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins. Forgive me for trying to live my life 
under my own control. I submit to you now. I give my heart to you now. Would you forgive me and would you take my heart and would you hold my heart and would you walk with me all the days of my life? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. I love you, church. I believe that God has such a plan and a purpose even in this crazy season. And I can't wait to see what he's gonna do. And I hope that you will run alongside me. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Saints Church Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can head to our website at saintschurch.ca for more service time info, locations, online giving, and online content. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.